Good morning. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody went woo. At the first service, somebody, some dad out there, I said, Happy Father's Day, and he so wanted to clap, but in that nanosecond of neuropathological evolution that we, that happens when you are reared with women, he heard that that would be disapproved of by his wife, and so instead of going, he went, (laughs) so it was the funniest little freeze frame thing. It was actually pretty interesting. I think we caught it on tape. No, we didn't catch it on tape. I'm so glad you're here. You could be out racing your new speedboat that I know you got today. It's Father's Day. You could be turning wrenches in that, in that air-cooled garage that, you know, you upgraded because Father's Day. You could be, like, using that pressure washer. Am I making a list of things that I don't need? I think I'm making a list of things I don't need. What would possess you to come to church on Father's Day? No idea, but I'm so glad you're here. You knew I would be here, right? This is how we do this. I actually have a voice today, which is good. Um, I'm super happy you're here. We're going to take a break from our series on the isms because of Father's Day. And so, as a bookend to Mother's Day... Um, let me just start by saying, this is going to be, the tone will be improved by the benediction, but I'm just going to settle in the darkness of what this day means to me, and I'm really sorry if that's too dark for you. We're going to try to find our way through this. I don't know how to change the words now, but let me start by saying it's a, it's a complicated day. Anybody wake up and feel that? It's a complicated day. Um, maybe it's as complicated as Mother's Day, maybe not, but it churns up some interesting stuff. Somebody better start the clock. Turns up some interesting stuff. Part of my work today and part of my work in general as a pastor is to name some realities so that you feel like you're not alone if these are things that you're experiencing, right? So it's not me introducing you to a new reality so much as it's me naming something that maybe has been running in the background, draining your battery perhaps. You know how those things happen on our phones and it's just taking the power down. So that's part of what I want to do today. I want to hold space for the reality that today is a lot of different stuff. There's a lot of things going on. The challenge to preaching is that it comes, if, if it's good at all, it starts with self-awareness and the work you're doing inside. And it gets really hard and old being this exposed on holidays like this. So my two favorite days of the year are the day after Mother's Day and the day after Father's Day. Because it's over. We don't have to worry about it. It kind of blips on the radar over Christmas. But for the most part, I'm not waking up trying to figure out how to name stuff, be vulnerable, be real, and still call my stepdad. So it's going to be a little bit interesting today. But I'm told, I have it on good authority, that I'm told that good preaching begins with attention to self. So we're going to go with that angle. Maybe being a dad is your greatest joy. Maybe it's what you've always wanted. Maybe it happened right on time. Maybe you got exactly, it, you just nailed it up. Maybe, maybe being a dad, you've enjoyed every second of it. That's possible. Maybe you just are amazingly present. Maybe emotionally, physically, spiritually, you just are nailed. Maybe your kids know it, and you're just the ace. Maybe you wake up, and the lights come on, and the background track starts, and the little guy says, you know, another amazing day in the life of the perfect dad. It's possible. It's possible. It's also a little bit likely that that's not your journey of fatherhood. Uh, it's likely that it's a combination of joy and fear and maybe mourning. Dads come in all varieties, and I think we're all represented in this room. So let me start by naming a few things, and maybe one of these will give you a little bit of extra oxygen to breathe. It's complex, but let me start just saying a few things. Number one, maybe you've lost your dad, and so Father's Day is heavy and it's sad. Maybe it's full of regrets. Maybe the things that come to your mind are things that were left unsaid. 
Or maybe it's the things that were said that you'd like to have back or the things that he said that you'd like to have back. Maybe your dad is still around, but you don't know how to express what you need to say. You don't know how to set aside time and celebrate. Maybe you were shamed for being sensitive or emotionally having language that spoke for your heart, and so maybe you don't know what to say. Maybe your dad wasn't great to you. And maybe today you're reminded of all the things you think you're supposed to say and feel because your partner thinks and says and feels those things, but you can't make those words come. You just can't make them come anymore. Maybe in your 20s you found that language. Maybe in your 30s it felt semi-real. In your 40s, the bullshit's off. And you're like, I can't. I can't say it. Maybe that's you. It's, It's possible. Maybe what you feel today is just numb. Maybe your father actively abused you. Maybe physically, maybe emotionally, maybe sexually, maybe spiritually. Oh, God, I hope not. But I know the numbers, and I don't want to crowd this size. It's possible. I'm so very sorry. That's not what dads are for. Maybe your dad passively abused you by his inattention to your inner world. Maybe he left things undressed, unsaid, unengaged. Maybe your dad just never managed to bother to connect. And that's its own kind of death. I know that death. Maybe you grew up a pastor's kid. Front row is always full of pastor's kids. Maybe you actually thought your dad was supposed to be your spiritual mentor, but he never seemed to care for you the way he cared for others. For whatever it's worth, I don't think it's possible to be a dad and a pastor to the same person at the same time. My kids don't have me as their pastor. They have a youth pastor. My wife, I'm not her pastor. I don't think that's possible. I don't know what you think, but I've never been convinced that that works. Maybe it's a dark and blank day because you never knew your father. Maybe he didn't even turn up on your birth certificate. I'm parenting one of those, ch- one of those children. Maybe the insult is so deep that he couldn't even be bothered to own up to that divine creation that he worked out with your mom. That's a sadness that never stops. That's a wound that's never healed. And if you're parenting that child, be sure you don't confuse your role with the one that needs to fix that because it can't be fixed. And it's not your job to do that. Maybe that's part of what today is for you. Maybe you're raising stepkids and you don't know how and you feel like you're dancing an awkward dance that everyone knows but you and you're trying to learn the steps. Maybe that's you. Maybe you can't wait till the day after Father's Day. And you can't wait till the day after Mother's Day like me. Maybe you did your best and you know it wasn't enough. And as you've given voice to your kids, maybe what they're first beginning to say are things that pain you so deeply because you know you failed. Strange day of rejoicing and failure and mourning and joy and all of those things. Now, maybe your dad was incredible. I heard from some of you this week. Maybe you were raised by a selfless, engaged, emotionally available dad who was Loved your mom, and he wasn't perfect, but he was willing to bend and flex, and he was willing to apologize. Maybe through thick and thin, he led your family with selfless diligence. It's possible. Maybe he preferred connection to you over correction. Maybe he totally understood how to shape a soul. Maybe he was your protector, your defender. Maybe he was your advocate. Maybe he was the one who opened life's door but never stopped 
the volley of, of pressure from the outside world. He needed you and wanted you to grow up, but maybe he just gave you just enough time to find your own sea legs. Maybe your dad was your greatest ally when you came out, when it wasn't acceptable. It wasn't acceptable to be gay in your high school or in your town or in your family. And maybe he was your silent protector until you were ready to take that. It's possible your dad was that amazing. I, if that's the case, I so rejoice with you. I think I'll be decades behind you the rest of my life trying to figure out how to close the gap. Whatever your dad was like and whatever this day brings up, here's the reality. However we think of our dads is very often how we relate to God. And so this matters. This matters deeply. For many of us, it's actually really bad news to sing that God is Father. Maybe that comes wrapped up with so much trauma that you, the best you can muster is numb, but it doesn't excite you. Maybe it's time to call, call God she. Maybe it's time to, to, to call the Holy Spirit she. Maybe it's time for us to use some more expansive language if all that happens in your heart is PTSD when we say you're a good, good father. Maybe you're like me and you have no idea what that feels like. Certainly, you're not so convinced God is male or gender specific. Maybe it's time we ease back on some of that language if it creates so much pain. Maybe. Surely you know God is complete being in any sense of God's manhood is a limitation of language. God is complete being. Maybe it would be good news if we moved that direction. Still, I still remember the moment in therapy when after many dollars and many months sitting with our therapist, he looked at me and he said, if you are this terrified and afraid of your dad, I wonder are you that scared and afraid of God? And everything went to freeze frame. Second, I, I remember the moment. I remember the couch. I remember the, the year. It matters. It matters. I've been a dad for almost 21 years now, and here's what I can say with certainty. Unlike Mother's Day, I can actually say a few things about being a father because I've been working at it for a while. I want nothing more than to get this right. In fact, this is what I want to get most right. I want nothing more than to be everything my kids need, my five daughters need. And I also know that I've fallen way, way short. And the same is true about you, Dad. The same is true about you. None of us are bad dads. We're tired. We're confused. We're paralyzed by fear of failure. But we want to get it right. We do. I think we do. What gets in the way? Generally speaking, we can get what we go after. We can get the degree. We can get the job. We can track down the house. We can make it work. What gets in the way with this? If we so badly want to nail this, what's the catch? I think it's fear. And I think it's fear of failure specifically. Fear of repeating the same injuries that we suffered in the homes we grew up in. And fear generally makes us do one of three things. Either we strike out or we try to numb or we just flat out run away. My bio dad ran away. My stepdad mostly stayed unavailable. And when he showed up, he broke stuff. So I feel this fear. I would just call it paralysis. But I know I'm not the only one in this room. Many, if not most of you, are terrified of making those same mistakes and blowing it in that same way. Terrified of creating the same pain that you've only now just figured out how to recover from. We're paralyzed because we're afraid, and it's easy to put everything on autopilot if you're afraid of making a mistake. The easiest thing to do is nothing. And yet we know that's not good enough because days become weeks and weeks become years, and maybe the minutes drag on, but the years certainly fly by till your kids sit down with you and their therapist and they say, Dad, we're afraid of you. 
and you realize you've recreated the cycle. So yeah, it's a good day, but it's a complicated day. But that's only one perspective, and I know I don't just speak from my own experience. And so I interviewed a bunch of dads this week, because this is really fun and lots of work. And lots of you have lots of words and try to figure out how to get that into some sort of a sermon can be complicated. So this is the question I asked a bunch of dads that I love and respect. I asked them this question, all the same question. What does it mean to you to be a dad? What does it mean to you to be a father? I heard from gay dads, straight dads, divorced dads. I heard from straight dads of gay kids. I heard from dads of special needs kids, first-time dads. I've heard from veterans dad, veteran dads whose kids are their own parents. We kind of cast it super wide. Here's some things I heard. I love all of these, and any one of these could preach on its own. Andrew said this. He said, being a dad has taught me to stand on my own feet and recognize that in order to raise these two little humans, I need to learn how to be myself. It forced me to accept the parts of me that I was afraid of so I can show and not just tell. I love that. Jay wrote these words. He wrote about the joy of parenting adult kids. I, I so agree with this. I didn't feel terribly helpful when the kids were small. I could run and get stuff, but like as they're becoming adults, we can have conversations and it's sort of, so Jay wrote about that a little bit. He wrote about uh, being there to help them if needed, when requested, right, with the, with the things that they need. He wrote about the pride too, having too much pride or too much guilt associated to how they turn out is not being helpful. He says, I'm one of the fortunate ones. He says, I've had a father who I've tried my entire life to emulate. Boy, do I, boy, do I wish that was my story. He says, I'm grateful to start most of my challenges with these words, what would dad do? That's what Jay wrote. Don wrote, he said, as a father of adult children, I recognize that both my children still need help, support, approval, and guidance. And I'm grateful for two kids who follow Jesus. And I think we're still close, I think. He says, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Keith said this. He said, being a dad is all about discovery. I love this. Always seeking unique and evolving ways his kids come alive and meeting them in those things. That means being on the watch, watching the dashboard. When they come alive, join them in that thing. Discovery involves strangeness and awkward laughs and weird conversations and embarrassing attempts at relevance. And boy, do I know what he means because somehow our own language we grew up speaking now no longer means what we thought it meant. And so now we have to be told what that word means, Dad. You can't say that. You can't say, hey, let's hook up. No, you can't say, hey, let's, right? All these things, Right? He talked about discovery. Brandon, one Brandon wrote this. He says, being a dad is a pastoral calling. He says, since I grew up without a dad, it's hard. But I've been called to be a father to the fatherless. He's parenting adopted kids. And he says, I'm trying to give my kids the message that they need to hear. Another Brandon wrote this. He wrote about being blown away by the thought that playing the dad role in his kids' lives actually means shaping men and women whose legacy might go further than his own. And he offered this John Steinbeck quote, and it's mostly written to dads of sons, but I feel the spirit of it, and I think it resonates. Maybe you'll connect with this. Steinbeck wrote in a book, Cup of Gold, he wrote this, why do men like me want sons? It must be because they hope, that, that hope in their poor beaten souls that these new men who are their blood will do the things that they were not strong enough, nor wise enough, nor brave enough to do. It is rather like another chance at life, like a new bag of coins at a table of luck after your fortune is gone. Zach wrote this. He describes fathering as the hardest thing he's ever done by far. It reveals selfishness and self-centeredness and his pre-existing myth that he was a patient person until kids came along. He says, but it's made me what I am today. Becoming a dad through adoption is, has forced me into racial reconciliation conversations. It's forced me to break down defined social scripts about what it means to be a man. 
He's well on his way. Sean wrote these words. He says, I came to the role of dad late and through the side door. Recently married in his 50s, Sean is now the parent of teenage boys, stepdad. He compares fathering to the Lewis and Clark expedition, uncharted territory, pure discovery. Boy, is he right. Boy, is he right. It's largely about patience, he writes, and trusting my wife to show me the ropes. Following her lead helps him know what to do and what not to do. He describes it as a gift that came just in time. Jonathan wrote this. He talked about intentionally connecting, about hoping for more than happiness for his kids. John is in the game so his kids thrive, he writes. To get this done means prioritizing her and these children over everything else. And boy, is that wisdom. Will wrote this. I love these words. He says it's about complete vulnerability, learning to play, rainbow connection, and the Johnny Cash version of You Are My Sunshine on the guitar. Will talked about forcing his voice into unnatural octaves, making funny faces, dancing, adding Disney to the playlists, and doing just about anything for a smile. Being a dad means accepting that I don't know what I'm doing half the time, but showing up and leading with love and an openness anyway. Larry wrote this. He was bailing hay and he didn't respond until this morning, but I squeezed you in, Larry. He says, being a father means total involvement in whatever your children are involved in. It's about cheerleading and it's about encouraging. And John wrote this, being a dad is like being Atlas. You know the image? The Greek God with the world on his shoulders, staying steady and strong so they can grow and thrive and succeed and sometimes fail, but creating a caring place that they can come home to and regroup when that happens. It's about forgetting how important you are and what your time is worth and meeting them where they are in an endless struggle that you choose daily because love wins. Such wisdom in these thoughts. Any one of these could preach its own sermon. Do you hear the intentionality? Do you hear the pursuit on behalf of the Father? The willingness to Meet them wherever. Such good men. Well, you know you can count on me for summary, and I find the least moving parts the most interesting. And so here are my thoughts on parenting. I'm being a dad. As I've thought about it, I think it's about vulnerability. I think it's about the willingness to learn, to be taught. The heart of doing it. Being a good father, I think it's vulnerability. I think it's about being willingly undefended. What do I mean by that? Choosing to wait and hold space, having the ability to initiate but holding back, knowing the answer and having the ability and the know-how to fix it but holding back, waiting instead for the slow process of discovery of self and of child. And boy, when you figure out how discovery of self fuels their discovery of their self, it'll make you make that the only big deal. It's about vulnerability. It's about learning. It's about discovery. Fathering is about creating and initiating, then protecting and nurturing, and ultimately empowering and releasing. Being a dad is about breathing life into building up, protecting, and defending our little ones till their sense of self-worthiness is so settled that they're ready to push back on the world that would say otherwise. That's taken a long time for me to get to this place where these are my objectives as a dad. Learning that being a dad has nothing to do with control or power or always being right or about being stronger or smarter or more courageous or more confident. It's taken me a lifetime to let those things go. It's got nothing to do with those things, even if that's all I can recall. 
I've learned the hard way that my job is to create space where mutual thriving can happen, where growth and awareness are encouraged and supported mutually, where being a dad has nothing to do with controlling outcomes or behaviors or making them the kind of people who come to church or love Jesus the way I do. It's not about any of that. My work is to create a space that conveys to my girls unconditional belonging, not fickle belonging based on whether or not they did what dad would do. It's not about agreeing with me. It's not about achieving my approval. My job is to communicate to them that that's done and that's final. It's both simpler and way more complicated than I thought starting out. It's simpler in the sense that I don't actually have to be strong all the time, which is really good news to a guy who often feels weak, if not daily. I don't have to have all the answers. It's so much simpler than being the one with all the answers, which is really good news to a man who very nearly never knows exactly what to do next. I know how to follow, but I'm so glad it's not about having all the right answers. I don't have to maintain control of my kids, which is gospel truth to a guy who can barely control himself on a good day. Being a good dad is simple because it's not ultimately evaluating the outcome of how my kids turn out. I'm responsible for the conditions I create and I maintain, and if I do a good job, they become themselves, not extensions of me. And that's good news. You see, it's simple, at least in theory, because my primary work is to do my work. My primary job is to do my own work of self-discovery. How hard could that be? Yeah. But it's way more complicated than I, start, than I thought starting out. Being a dad demands that I release control, which doesn't happen easily in the people from my family line. They will release anything but control right? It reveals myself to me and to them simultaneously in ways that I'm not yet ready to confront or be exposed. It's more complicated than I thought. Successful parenting is about how I deal with me, the real me, the scared me, the frightened me, the small me, the adolescent me that stuck in those teenage years. It's about me confronting that, the me I hide from them, the me I hide from myself. How I deal with that part of me is ultimately how I teach them to do their own work. It'll inspire their own great journey if I do it well. Their own journey will take them into God, into truth, into adulthood, into light, into wholeness. And that's complicated. So where do we turn for inspiration, dads? Where do we turn? How are we going to get there from here? Who's going to teach us these chops? Here's what I think deep down inside, and I really mean this. I think we know the way. I think the ancient ways of love are written deep in our hearts, way deeper than what we observed growing up, way deeper than whatever our particular culture has taught us. I think it's deeper than what Hollywood idealizes on the screen, thank God. I think it's deeper than the false scripts we've been offered. Somewhere below all of that, if we can find it, is a primal sense of goodness. We know the ways of love deep down inside. We know how to follow love into truer truths, deeper waters than what culture can offer us. I'm talking about the scripts that have been pushed on us. You know the scripts, that muscles equal strength, that physical strength equals strength. You know that men are brutes and Neanderthals and can't connect with their emotions. You know these scripts, that hot sex equals connection. You know that's not true. That an abundance of money equals power and inner peace. You know that's empty. I'm talking about the script that says that fame and recognition actually equals legacy and significance. It's all a script. There's strong narratives. And we don't believe them because we're dumb. We believe them because we're covered and blanketed every waking moment of our lives with these narratives. The sheer abundance of this messaging sometimes overwhelms us. 
But I believe, deep down, we know better. Our emptiness should prove that those are not legitimate ways to, get, to, to, to fill ourselves. Our frustration, our loneliness should be proof that the cultural narratives that have been offered to us are not good enough. We want deeper. We want to go deeper. I wonder if there might be a mental picture that could help us recover the truth from all these false scripts floating around. The image that comes to my mind comes from the book of Revelations, and I would never suggest trying to summarize the book of Revelations. Smart people get in big trouble trying to do that. But there's this one little image that I'll be honest with you is what, is what sticks in my mind as I'm looking for what's an example. How do I do this? How do I do this well? How do I be a good dad? It comes from the book of Revelations chapter 3. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Verse 19. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. John dreams of Jesus addressing various churches in the first century. We don't need to dig too deep into the particular history of that. Just notice that in the same frame as correction and discipline, often what we think our role as dads is, as fathers is, in that same frame, John first locates love. Notice it says, those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. And when this image has been artistically painted by a million people over the centuries, this is the one that stands out in my mind. Jesus, standing outside a door, waiting to be given access. We call this initiative under restraint. We call this power determined to wait, not violate. We call this gentleness. We call this instruction and guidance driven by love and respect, delivered when both parties are ready. That's what it means to be a dad. This resonates with me, this image of Jesus. This sticks in my mind. This is the Jesus I love, and this is my inspiration. It's the truest true. It's the realest real. If Jesus made the world, as John claims in the opening chapter of his letter of the teachings and ministry of Christ, if he made the world, why would he stand outside the church and knock? Could he not just steamroll his way in? Could he not just level the building? Did it not all belong to him? Of course it did. And yet he gently, kindly waits for the invitation. You guys, the golden moments of my life as a dad are the moments I waited. The moments I didn't blame when I could have. The moments I didn't strike out when I would have been justified. When I stayed emotionally available even when I was nursing my own wound from the same conversation. The waiting. The deference. Those are the golden moments. When I allowed my daughters to try out their new sharp teeth on my arm before they took them out to the world to experiment how to build their own life. That's the puppy comment, in case you wondered. Told my girls at breakfast, even the puppy made it into the sermon. She's like a land shark. She wants to bite everything. Don't let anyone fool you, dads. Look at me, hear me, hear me. Open your hearts, hear me. I know you crave connection and approval. I know you crave emotional depth and vulnerability. Don't buy the script that says you don't need that. Oh, you need that. Oh, you need that. I'm so sorry if you were shamed as a child for needing that from your dad. You need that, just like the women in your life do, just like everyone in your life does. And to give you that today, I reached out to the, to the partners of the men I interviewed, and none of the dads knew this, but I wanted to hear from them 
the answer to this question. What do you love most about how your guy fathers and how he parents? Heard some incredible stuff. One of you wrote back, and I'm not going to credit these because it's, this is your private content, but if, if these were your words, whisper into the ear of your guy at some point today that this is what you said. It will matter. We get so little feedback. We get so little feedback. We often don't know how we're doing. It's the truth. Am I right, guys? Just nod quietly. One of you said this, I feel like ministry was just practice for his true calling. His true calling is to father our children. One of you said, speaking directly, if she could say this to her husband, she would say, you're gentle and your faith is unwavering and your sense of humor is goofy. I love that. Gentle, faith, and goofiness all in one. One of you wrote, as a father, you would do anything for our children and they know this. You, drove, you, you drop everything to immediately offer assistance when asked and you are a great listener too. You always give them space to unfold their long stories. One of you wrote, you're such a special deep-hearted man. I shouldn't be surprised that you are a special, deep-hearted dad. I've never seen a man so in love with his little girl. I think lots of people put so much emphasis on mamas being caring and nurturing, but you, Father, with so much care and vulnerability, it's, a, it's beautiful to witness. I'm looking at this baby right now. I wish you could see. I love how you don't pretend to know all the answers she writes, but you show up day after day and you learn from our daughter I don't think there could ever be a higher compliment to a dad. One of you wrote, I love your ability to see and love each of our children for the person that he or she is and who they're becoming, all while helping them understand that they're part of something bigger. One of you wrote these words, our kids call you in every emergency, every epic fail, every dilemma, every mistake. You are the parent that pulls the car out of the ditch, meets with the principal, and picks up the kid with no questions asked. You're the fixer. You're the closer. You're the lead blocker. You are the rock-solid core center of this family, and every single member knows it. Oh, those words. One of you wrote, you are so intentional and willing to do whatever it takes to be the best dad for our kids. You meet them where they are. You connect well with them while becoming the healthiest version of yourself so that they can follow and they can thrive. One of you wrote, you effortlessly shuttle between playmate and father figure. I love your can-do attitude and the way you never give up. You're the best sounding board willing to try anything to bring this family closer. I love watching you lead by example. Two boys who watch every move you make. I love how you listen without judgment every day and offer loving and thoughtful comments, directions, and opinions when asked. You make the mundane fun, and you never take yourself too seriously. Most of all, I love that you're giving the boys an example of what it means to be a good partner. And finally, one of you wrote, you're the firm foundation. You're the soft place to fall for our family. You are the one true north set to Jesus that we course correct to as needed when we lose our way. Those words find a way to say what's true Today, even through the pain and the difficulty, find a way to say what's true. I hope those words land. It's final words of encouragement. I was too emotional to write an ending to this, so I called Chris and I said, can you, can you write some words of encouragement? What would you say to dads? And here's what she wrote. To our good, good fathers, we see you, your humanity, your divinity, we believe in you, your potential, your gifting, your goodness. Your fractured places and fear and failure, they aren't a problem. 
They're an invitation. Oh, I hope she's right. They hold the ability to deepen you, to expand you, to soften you, to strengthen you. She says, we call you out into the wilderness, out of the darkness, and into the wildly messy and beautiful relationships that so desperately need you, that you so desperately need. The world has given you scripts that you were never meant to read or write or live by, but today you get to reimagine the story that you're going to write with one another, with your families. Your job is not to prove to your kids that you're useful and, or, or that they are worthy, but rather to live from a place of worthiness. Remember, the work of love has already broken off all that has caused you to shrink and hide and run and numb. Claim it, or maybe reclaim it. If you're here today, she writes, and you feel like you're falling, dive deep. You get to be there. If you're here today and you feel like you're soaring, fly high, you get to be there. Wherever you're at, stuck, pissed, spiraling, grieving, celebrating, we release you. We release your, our hands off of your neck so that you can be the daddies and the fathers and the men you were created to be, strong and vulnerable, expansive and powerful, creative, respectable and trustworthy. Oh, fathers, you were made for more. You were made for all of this. You've been released and forgiven and made new already, she writes. So fathers and men, these final words. May you remember that you were created so very, very good. May you remember that you, that you are needed and valuable and lovable and capable. May you remember that all you have to be is you, nothing more, nothing less. May you know that there's so much good spilling into your children, into us, from you.